Devin, what are you doing? <laughs> Obviously, I'm singing Closure. Welcome to Tay 2Z, where we chat about every Taylor Swift song in alphabetical order. I'm Devin. And I'm Gab, and we will be your hosts on this journey. In our last episode, we talked about Clean from 1989. Oh, so good. <laughs> and today, we are discussing the song Closure from Evermore. Another Evermore song mm-hmm. already. That's pretty crazy. There's so many C songs on Evermore. A lot. Yeah, it's like she skipped all the A's and B's so that we could catch up with her. And then put mm, three C's? Four C's. Coney Island, Cowboy Like Me, Closure, and Champagne Problems. Yes, four C's. (laughs) Closure's the 14th track on Evermore. Evermore was released on December 11th, 2020, and this song was co-written by Aaron Dessner. And once again, this album is pretty brand spanking new, so she has not performed any of these songs live. Yes. Yet. This will be an interesting one to see how it's performed live, because it's yeah. very produced. Yeah, I feel like Aaron Dessner will be like on the bongos in the background. <laughs> doing the, doing like the machine thing in the background. The on bongos? Yeah. But he'll just do it on bongos. Oh, I see. Weird. I feel like that would be a really good acoustic vibe. Interesting. With Taylor on the piano. (laughs) Piano and bongos. I think that's that's how this song is meant to sound. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Devin, what do you think about closure? You know, I think that this feels kind of like the culmination of her alternativeness over Mm. the course of these past two albums, Folklore Nevermore. She's delved into a bunch of different sounds and styles and everything. And she's kind this kind of feels like we're gonna throw everything at the wall and see what (laughs) see what hits. I feel like this was a song that Aaron Dessner came to her and was like, I have this really wacky track for this song. Do you wanna write something to it? Do you wanna write lyrics to Mm. it? And she's just like, sure, okay, let's try it. I feel like he was like, this is my weirdest song I've got written right now. Do you want to try this out? And she's like, yeah, let's go. I feel like it probably wasn't his weirdest one he had written. Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. But like that machinery sample in the background is so chaotic. Mm. I mean, it, it makes sense in this song. I feel like it's interesting because that chaotic machine sounding thing, I think, represents... A machine of some sort, maybe a big machine. <laughs> we don't really know, but we, we sort of know. But on Instagram, somebody said that it did. It sounded like a big machine breaking down. Mm. That's pretty cool. I like that. It's interesting because whenever Taylor sings on this track, she's got the piano mm-hmm. with her. And that kind of, I think, represents her, the piano portion of it. And then the like hectic sample in the background represents all of like the underlying crap that is still there mm. from whatever happened you know the relationship or whatever that she's like i don't owe you any of this closure mm-hmm. like you don't deserve this but all of those feelings and thoughts and stuff are still there for her so maybe you know in the back of her mind she does want closure Mm. because of that and then also listening to this on my like good headphones Mm -hmm. for the first time i was able to hear so much more in it Mm. there's like a lot of um like mechanical robot 
kind of voices really overlaid on top of her in the choruses and in the verses. And you can't really hear that on the car stereo or like uh, playing on your iPhone or whatever. But there are just all these extra little things that they put in with the production of it that make it like real. It's very robotic and mechanical and it's very hectic and crazy. (laughs) Interesting, because I definitely like feel like I haven't heard those things. So I feel like I need to listen to it. On your headphones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if, if if you guys have like good headphones and or if you haven't heard that and you go back and you listen to it again, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. Well, like because the beginning is definitely the word I want to use is discordant. Like the way. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. The way that that machine breaks down or like that sound. But then the song starts and it opens and I don't actually really hear any of the mechanical stuff the rest of the song. Really? Yeah. You, you, you like just put it out and like yeah. you don't hear it. Yeah. And huh. maybe it's there. Maybe it's bad it headphones. Is. No, yeah. the, the it discordant, there. it's there the whole time. Yeah. So maybe it's my bad headphones. Maybe I just don't hear it. Mm-hmm. Maybe when I hear lyrics, I don't hear the underlay mm-hmm. part. And that might be why I like this song more than you, mm-hmm. which I think is... Interesting, because I'm like, what? Why do you have an issue with this machine sound? It stops in the first, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> no, it's there, the whole, it's there <laughs> yeah. the whole time. Interesting. But it does get muted. So when she first starts playing and when she first starts singing, the machinery all of a sudden gets super muted. Mm. And so that that's pretty interesting, too. There's a lot of, like, really specific choices they made with this song that as much as it, like, doesn't vibe with me... It's a very, like, interesting song to break down and, like, listen to musically. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting little things in it. Well, and it's cool to get to see Taylor just exploring all sorts of different things musically. Like, that's cool to watch her do and know that she was musically fulfilled working on these two albums. I mean, Evermore even exists just because she couldn't stop writing. Yeah. Which is so cool. Yeah. What do you like about the song? No surprise to anyone, I'm coming at it from a lyrical standpoint. Mm -hmm. I like how Taylor explores the idea of closure from the end of a relationship, whether it be romantic or not. And sometimes, like, you don't really need closure. And sometimes relationships end and you can stay angry or sad or, like, you don't need things to be, like, all good and tied up neatly. And I kind of like that idea and just the same idea of Mad Woman on Folklore. It's okay to be mad as a woman, which I feel like a lot we're not really, we're taught we're not really mm. allowed to feel that emotion. Like I know. It's not a good look. Yeah. And I know I've experienced that feeling or even the idea of sadness where it's like bad to be sad. But like, if you just look at emotions, like I feel this way today and you don't put judgment on them and there's not a judgment of why you feel sad or angry or whatever. And it's just, those are emotions that you're going to experience through your life. It makes them feel just a lot more valid and also just like, right, that's it. I'm, I'm feeling this way today. Yeah. So I like that idea that she explores that everything doesn't have to always be all good. You don't have sure. to end everything perfectly. And so I really connect to that. And I think the song is just really catchy. The da 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 Like, I've been singing it all week. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not my favorite on the album, but it's not my least favorite on the album either. Oh. I like the song. And I'll, yeah. I'll listen to it. Like, I don't skip it or anything. Yeah. And I just, I like that she is exploring this aspect to when a relationship ends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting thing of, like, being okay with being mad still Mm -hmm. we're taught from you know young age that like you need to forgive and you need to get over things Mm -hmm. and 
you know, it's much better to like deal with it and then, you know, whatever, but you can deal with it and still be mad. Yeah. Like you can still be like, I'm okay, but I'm not going to forgive this person because they don't deserve my forgiveness. Yeah. Like what they did was not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like a very valid thing to let your emotions just be and not have to feel shame or guilt or like you're wrong for having those emotions so i think it's cool that seeing this side of it through this song yeah yeah do you relate to this song? not terribly i haven't had any experience in my life where i have actively thought they don't deserve my forgiveness mm. or like they don't deserve closure from me mm-hmm. any sort of fight or any sort of relationship that ended or whatever usually ended amicably or at least well actually let me rephrase that in terms of relationships i was usually the one doing the breaking up Mm -hmm. so i had already had my like peace with it Mm -hmm. you know so the people that i broke up with maybe you know don't think that they or I deserve their closure or whatever. But mm-hmm. the one like major relationship that I had before you, like we're st- we were still friends. Yeah. So that kind of didn't need to, and we eventually like talked out like what everything was. Mm-hmm. And so we did get closure. We didn't feel like we needed to be mad at each other or mm-hmm. whatever. So, and then in life in general with friends, with stuff, I think that the only people that don't deserve my closure are uh, (laughs) (laughs) ex-employers. Okay. (laughs) I owe them nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that might be, that might actually be one thing. Yeah, I think that that connects. (laughs) I mean, as we get into Gossip Gab, I think that is. That's very connected, yeah. Yeah, but I can totally see how someone could feel like they don't owe anybody anything, Mm -hmm. especially closure. And especially from somebody who's like, why are you still mad? Mm -hmm. Like what, like what's the big deal? Yeah. And that kind of a statement is so invalidating to people. Yeah. And I have experienced that. Like, well, aren't you over that feeling? Yeah, like, why aren't you over that? And it's like, that's not for you to say, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah like, why, why aren't you over that? Why haven't you, like, gotten past that? Like, yeah. that was so long ago. Yeah. And it's like, okay to stay mad about things. You know, as long as it's not affecting your day-to-day and your ability to lead a successful life, yeah. it's okay to stay mad about certain things. Yeah. Like, you can yeah. very much not like a person who did crappy things to you. Yeah. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. They don't deserve anything from you. Yeah. And if they're, you know, texting you and they're like, like, why can't we talk? This was like, you know, a year ago. Like, why I want to be back in your life and be friends. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you don't get that. Well, I think ultimately it's up to you how, if you want to have that closure or not, you know, you get to make that decision. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And do you relate to this song? Yes. (laughs) I relate to the idea that sometimes when someone hurts you, you don't feel the need to give them closure or make them think that, like, you're all good. And that, like, oh, don't worry, you didn't do anything wrong. When, like, sometimes people did do something wrong. Specifically, uh, one of my exes who dumped me in a way that I found very disrespectful and not okay. I was hurt really badly. And he desperately wanted for us to be friends for years, years after the breakup. Because we were friends before and we shared mutual friends and he desperately wanted for us to be friends. And when I'm friends with people, I am very loyal to them. 
to mm-hmm. a fault. I am there for them. They're in my corner. I didn't think that someone who had treated me in this way deserved my friendship. Yeah. Just because like society says that's like a healthy thing to do. I felt that that wasn't. I thought it was a toxic thing to do. Mm. And like, We had had many conversations in terms of the relationship, and I felt like I had my closure there. Like, Mm. I was over that part and fine with that part. I didn't feel like I needed, A, him to be my friend, or B, he didn't deserve to have me as his friend. Mm -hmm. And, like, I had moved forward in my life, and... I didn't think, you know, that tying it up so nice, as Taylor said in the song, was something that needed to happen. Sure. It just wasn't, I didn't need this person to be in my life at all. I'm not a fake person, so like tying it up all nice and like putting on this fake friendship was not something that I would have ever considered doing. Sure. It kind of relates to the lyric, I know I'm just a wrinkle in your new life, staying friends would iron it out so nice. Mm. And it kind of makes me just think of that situation. Like, I don't really think about that very often anymore because it was so long ago. Mm-hmm. But there were just so many years of, like, trying to be my friend. And I was like, just give it up. Like, mm. we're not going to be friends. And, like, who cares? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I relate to it in that way where there's, like, been, you know, forgiveness about the situation and moving on from the situation. But that doesn't mean that it's like, oh, you're an angel in my book or something like that. Like, there's yeah. still trauma from that situation that, you know, affects me to this day so that I can't completely forget that yeah it kind of makes me think of my mom used to always say so uh her side of the family were sicilian she used to always say we forgive but we never forget mm-hmm. you know so you you can forgive if you want in terms of getting yourself past something but you don't have to forget how that person made you feel you don't have to make it okay yeah and yeah you don't, you don't need to give them anything no and you yeah. also don't need to forgive if if you don't want to yeah <laughs> yeah it's really about like whatever makes you feel best about yeah. The situation you're in. And the empowerment that you have yeah. over the situation. Now we get to the section of... Gossip. Okay, guys, this is going to be a very big gossip gap. So basically this whole song is gossip. <laughs> well, there's just a lot of ideas about it. Hot gossip. So buckle in, listen closely. Buckle in, everybody. <laughs> Well, this was like, it was a lot of work, this gossip, yeah. Discussing closure with Zane Lowe on the Apple Music interview that Taylor did, Taylor said it coincides with one of Evermore's primary concepts. With folklore, one of the main themes throughout that was conflict resolution, right? Like trying to figure out how to get through something with someone or making confessions or trying to tell them something, trying to communicate with them, Swift explained. Evermore deals a lot in endings of all sorts, shapes, and sizes, all the kind of ways we can end a relationship, a friendship, something toxic, and the pain that goes along with that, the phases of it. So I think that's cool, just that coming into Evermore, Taylor was considering all the different ideas that you end relationships. And you can see that through so many through lines of her songs. Through like every song. All of the songs. And I think that's really cool just hearing her say it. Not to mention the idea of with folklore being spring and summer and evermore being fall and winter. Mm -hmm. Just the idea that folklore is figuring out the conflicts and then evermore as you lead into it, ending them in all variety of ways. Right. And I love that idea. Yeah. And I think especially, like, I love the song Happiness on this album, and so that really explores that idea. Oh, yeah. So I just think it's cool that she said that. So that's, like, the main thing she's spoken about this song. So everything from here on out is going to be conjecture from both myself and the fans of what I think this song is about. Okay. So before I say my two theories, one thing I did here online is people think that 
in the chorus, Taylor kind of sings with a British accent, like, Yes, I got your letter. But it's not really British. No, it's not British But some people on Instagram have thought this, so they think it's like shade at one of her British exes. But I don't think she has any bad blood with her British exes. I think her and Harry are all good. And Tom Hiddleston really was just kind of like a pawn who got in the way of whatever (laughs) she was doing at the time. I think she understands that. Yeah. So I don't think it's about that at all. And I don't think she would still be writing about them all these years later. No. And she doesn't have a British accent in the chorus at all. I don't think so either. No. But I just wanted to mention that because people have said it. I personally have two theories that this song could be about. So I'm going to get into both of them. Okay. The first is that it's about Scott Borchetta from Big Machine Records and his selling of Taylor's Masters. Mm -hmm. For those of you who are newer Swifties or... Gab and Devin fans listening to this podcast, I'm going to try and break down all of the Masters drama for you. So remember this, because it's definitely going to come back in future songs. For all you Swifties, you already know this saga, and so I'm just repeating it. Yeah. Scott Borchetta started a small independent music label, Big Machine Records, after seeing Taylor perform in 2004. He signed her as his first client in 2005. Taylor created six albums for Big Machine Records, from her debut album to Reputation. When Taylor's record contract with Big Machine was up in late 2018, she and Big Machine amicably split and Taylor signed a new deal with Universal Music Group. Both she and Scott issued positive statements about their time working together. Things seemed like they were okay and all good. Then, in June 2019, Scott sold Taylor's Masters to Ithaca Holdings Group, a group owned by celebrity manager Scooter Braun. When this happened, Taylor released the following statement. For years, I asked, pleaded for a chance to own my own work. Instead, I was given an opportunity to sign back up to Big Machine Records and earn one album back at a time, one for every new one I turned in. I walked away because I knew once I signed that contract, Scott Borchetta would sell the label, thereby selling me and my future. I had to make the excruciating choice to leave behind my past. Music I wrote on my bedroom floor and videos I dreamed up and paid for from the money I earned playing in bars, then clubs, then arenas, then stadiums. Some fun facts about today's news. I learned about Scooter Braun's purchase of my master's as it was announced to the world. All I could think about was the incessant manipulative bullying I've received at his hands for years. Like when Kim Kardashian orchestrated an illegally recorded snippet of a phone call to be leaked and then Scooter got his two clients together to bully me online about it. Or when his client Kanye West organized a revenge porn music video which strips my body naked. Now Scooter has stripped me of my life's work that I wasn't given an opportunity to buy. Essentially, my musical legacy is about to lie in the hands of someone who tried to dismantle it. This is my worst case scenario. This is what happens when you sign a deal at 15 to someone for whom the term loyalty is clearly just a contractual concept. And when the man says music has value, he means its value is beholden to men who had no part in creating it. When I left my masters in Scott's hands, I made peace with the fact that eventually he would sell them. Never in my worst nightmares did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter. Anytime Scott Borchetta has heard the word Scooter Braun escape my lips, it was when I was either crying or trying not to. He knew what he was doing. They both did. Controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them. In perpetuity. That means forever. Thankfully, I am now signed to a label that believes I should own anything I create. 
Thankfully, I left my past in Scott's hands and not my future, and hopefully young artists or kids with musical dreams will read this and learn about how to better protect themselves in a negotiation. You deserve to own the art you make. I will always be proud of my past work, but for a healthier option, Lover will be out August 23rd. Sad and grossed out, Taylor. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Really, really intense statement. Wow. Um, Yeah. And clearly very angry, very upset. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yes. Scott Borchetta came back very defensive to this statement that Taylor released, obviously. However, regardless of anything that he said as a comeback... It still stands that Taylor was not offered to purchase her master's outright in the same way Braun and other buyers were. So the purchase of her master's was always tied into a caveat of her creating more work for Big Machine. Mm. So regardless of what Scott said in terms of what he thought Taylor knew or not or about her leaving her master's behind, she was never given the option to purchase her own master's in the way these other men or rich people in the music industry were. Yeah. So that's one aspect which, regardless of anything else that happened, Scott didn't give her that choice. (sighs) Scooter has yet to speak out on the issue. However, the night of the acquisition, he reposted one of his friend's stories on Instagram that read, when your friend buys Taylor Swift. And he reposted that. And then he deleted it after backlash because, duh. Like, like, really? You're going to talk about buying a woman? And, like, it just, oh, it's just so disgusting. So Scooter Braun's wife, Justin Bieber, and Scott Borchetta have all issued varying statements defending Scooter Braun. And they all have different variations saying, Scooter has supported Taylor's work for years and has upholded her. And, like, all these different things saying, like, how could you think Scooter hates you? He's always supported you. The evidence does not point to this, regardless of what they say. Like, just because they say that doesn't mean it's true and doesn't mean that Taylor feels that. And the evidence is that after all this terrible press from this situation and Scooter Braun becoming, you know, really villainized by our whole fandom, he sold Taylor's masters this past November 2020 to an investment company and he still profits off of them. If he cared at all, at all about Taylor, about her owning her own work, about her artistic integrity, he would have offered to sell her her own masters at the same price because he knows she would have paid for him. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what any of these defensive statements take, like coming back at Taylor, taking her down, say... None of them gave her that option. So they don't care. Actions speak louder than words. Yes. Also, if he had just freaking done that in 20, this year in 2020, it would have created a lot of goodwill to undo all the damage he caused. Mm-hmm. And they could have maybe had some kind of peaceful agreement, something of any sort. He didn't do this. So he doesn't care, regardless of what any of those statements say. Mm-hmm. They were all doing business with Taylor's work without considering... Taylor or giving her the same option others had to buy it. She has the money to do it. Yeah. She would probably sell all her homes to buy her masters. You know, that's her life's work. She understands that she signed a contract. For those of you listening who might like work in industries, whatever, she understands she signed a contract. She was 14, 15 when she signed this contract. She didn't really know what she was getting into. No one could have predicted what a major huge star she became. Not to mention that it was pretty standard that most artists don't own their own music. 
you know, famously, Michael Jackson bought the Beatles catalog. Yeah. It, this is a very common issue in the music industry that Taylor raising awareness on is hopefully helping other young artists. Yeah. And as someone who has worked in contracts before, usually the producer or the company that can stand to profit off of an artist's work, though they care about their artists and want to take good care of them, it's also about the dollar signs and Absolutely. what the money they can make. And it's not really about protecting all the artists' rights. And that's why Taylor said years later in like 2014, like number one thing she wished she had known about the music industry was get a good lawyer. So given this whole saga, I think it's fairly likely that Closure could be about Scott Borchetta. Yeah. And what Taylor felt was the ultimate betrayal by him selling her masters to someone that she really considers an adversary and someone who she really dislikes. Yeah. <laughs> we can't even understand how much pain that must be for Taylor to yeah. lose that and not even be given the opportunity. And then everyone to be like saying that she's making this big deal speaking out about it when it's like she's of course she's speaking out about it. Like this is a huge horrible thing that happened in her life, you know? Yeah. So I think it's pretty likely, especially with the whole machinery sounds in the mm-hmm. background that this song is about that betrayal and that, you know, Taylor has every right to still be angry about it. Definitely. In August 2019 interview with CBS Sunday Morning, Taylor described losing her masters in a way that seems to overtly match Closure's themes. She said, you know, people go on and on about, like, you have to forgive and forget to move past something. No, you don't. You don't have to forgive and you don't have to forget to move on. And Mm. I think that that quote completely sums up what's in Closure here. I do have a second theory that I think ties into the song as well. Mm. I think Closure's about a major friend breakup that we've seen in Taylor's life, which is of her best friendship with model Carly Kloss. They were nearly inseparable from 2013 to 2016, with Taylor even stating in an interview once that she keeps all of Carly's favorite snacks in her guest bedroom because it basically became Carly's room. Oh, wow. Yeah. Their friendship seemed to inexplicably end right around 2016 when the Taylor Swift is over party happened. And Taylor was not present at Carly's wedding to Joshua Kushner. Yes, that Kushner. That's a whole other story that we're not going to get into. (laughs) It turns out Carly is managed by none other than Scooter Braun. And they seem to be very close friends as well. Perez Hilton reported that Taylor and Carly ended their friendship because Taylor found out that Carly was telling Scooter information about Taylor's career. Mm. We don't know if this is true. I had never really read Perez Hilton before, so I don't know if the things he reports are always true or not. <laughs> but given the facts of the situation that she's close with Scooter and still close with Scooter, it definitely seems that the falling out most likely had something to do with him. So, I mean, it would make sense if Closure was about the end of this friendship, especially the bridge about with the line about Taylor being a, a wrinkle in your new life. It seems that Carly's in this, like, you know, like, married bliss, look at how nice our life looks kind of life. Mm. And so it feels like it could be about that as well. Neither of these theories will most likely ever be confirmed, But when I hear this song, I think about both of them. I think could have elements of both of them in it. And I think part of why I connect to this song is that because I care so much about Taylor and like what she's been through, I'm like, yeah, girl, like they don't deserve your closure. You don't need it. And so this is what I think of when I hear this song. Mm, That's a lot of hot goss. I know. (laughs) I'm like tired from reading. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot, but like. 
I think it seems quite likely. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. I mean, I- you- if anything, like, the fact that we automatically think of that situation when we first heard this song is a pretty good indication. You know? Yeah. I think that it's too close to this kind of situation. Yeah, that plus the quote that what if they're talking about Taylor the Taylor knows exactly how smart her fans are. This isn't going to fly over our heads. Yeah, and though she'll never like confirm or deny a lot of these types of things, even if it's not overtly about this, all of these feelings obviously influence her storytelling. Obviously. So even if it's like a fictional storytelling, how she feels about things like this influence it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's important for those of you who are hearing about this saga for the first time, to say that in November 2020, Taylor became able to re-record her own master. She used to do like a couple things different in some of the songs, mm-hmm. but she did start doing that. So this year, fans are hoping to start seeing some of these re-records and are very excited about it and excited to be able to listen to the old music and not benefit Scooter Braun at all. And my goal is eventually, when she releases all the re-records, to only listen to those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And to buy them all. Yes. To have them. Yeah. And to support Taylor. And and really to support artists owning their own work. I think that that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your favorite line in Closure, Devin? I really like the line, seeing the shape of your name still spells out pain. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. 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 What about you? That's good. That's relatable. I love the line, and I've been saying this line just like over and over again this whole week. I am fine with my spite and my tears and my beers and my candles. I love it. She's fine. She's okay having that. And like, good for her. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't put cats in there. <laughs> I guess it didn't rhyme. Yeah, I guess not. I'm fine with my spite and my cats and my beers and my candles. <laughs> I feel like that would have been, been more her, more apropos. Maybe, but I like it. I think it's a relatable <laughs> line. It's good. Yeah, not everybody has cats. Gab, on a scale of one to ten situations that need to be handled. Ooh. How many would you give this song? I would give Closure seven situations that need to be handled. Okay. I really like this song. I like Taylor exploring this idea. I like that it makes me think of connecting certain things in her life. I don't know why, but certain songs that I really connect her to, I connect with Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's very catchy. It's not my favorite on Evermore. That's kind of why it's the seven, I'd Mm -hmm. say. What about you from one to ten situations that need to be handled? I'm going to give it four situations that need to be handled. Okay. Yeah, I think that it is my second least favorite on the album. Oh. Another C song coming up is my least favorite. Uh-oh. But no, I'm, I, I give it a four, though, because I appreciate what it means and what it is for her and mm-hmm. like what it is for the fandom and just the fact that it, it's a four because in terms of listening quality and everything and will I listen to it, mm-hmm. it's going to be probably a no more often than not. Mm-hmm. If it comes on shuffle, like I'll listen to it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to... You're not like a day where you're like, I need to hear this I need to hear closure. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think Mm -hmm. I will feel that way. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely a really cool song in the sense of what she was able to, you know, experiment with in a song. And it's an absolutely completely different sound from like any of the other stuff that she's done. So 
That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Listen along with us. You can check us out on Instagram at Tata Z Podcast and give us your thoughts. Check out our new look. Oh, a new look. Very exciting. This is our second song with the new look. Second song with the new look. We're very pumped about it. Let us know how many situations that need to be handled you would give this song. How many? Let us know... If you like this song, if you don't, yeah, I just want to hear your thoughts on it. If you hadn't thought of the theories I brought up, if you had, mm. I, we want to hear it all. And remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. So next episode, we'll be covering Cold Is You Ooh. from debut. Nice. Come hang with us. I'm Devin. And I'm Gab. This has been Tay to Z. See you next time. <laughs>